Welcome, Bulldog basketball fans, to another episode of the Drake Basketball Podcast. I'm Tucker here with Eduardo, coming off perhaps Drake's best win of the season, a 72-53 victory over the previously undefeated Nevada Wolf Pack. Eduardo, react joyfully. We we were high on the Bulldogs going into the match, and I think it's safe to say Drake exceeded everyone's expectations putting together a wired-to-wire performance that, I mean, honestly, I, I can't remember like a, a game as complete against a quality opponent. Yeah, well, you agree with Tucker DeVries then, because in the post-game comments, he did say that this was the first 40-minute game they've played this season. Yeah, I mean, it's a really encouraging sign. You know, what's interesting is, you know, you look at our game against St. Louis, and you had the horrible first half, but if you take that away... Drake has played a really good second half against Valpo, really two good halves against Missouri State. Then they have the crap half against St. Louis. But then after that, again, three really good halves. So so really Drake has played, I would say, three and a half really good games overall. And you're just starting to see the pieces gel. Uh, But I just I really want to get your reaction watching it live and the on-court report from your perspective and how they were able to really disrupt an offense that coming into the match was absolutely rolling. Yeah, well, to give you a, just to give you sort of an idea of the atmosphere, it was at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson, Nevada, which was just on the outskirts of Las Vegas. There were probably more Drake fans than Nevada fans there. Uh, Bulldog fans traveled in force to Las Vegas. It was a, it was a surprisingly raucous atmosphere for how few fans there were. Like you said, probably Drake's best game of the season. The thing you noticed right away in person, and I'm sure on TV as well, was the defense. This by far was, in my opinion, Drake's best defensive game of the season. So Nick Norton had the scout on this one, and all credit to him because their defensive strategy on this one was perfect. You could see from the start that the plan was to get Connor up and in Keenan Blackshear's grill from the beginning. Like he was pressuring him pretty much full court almost, and he was making him uncomfortable. And it reminded me a lot of Colby Garland last game where his defense really sparked the rest of the team. So he made him uncomfortable when he would try to drive or when they get him in ISO spots, you would see a lot of doubling where other guys would come over and help and then they'd force him to dish. One thing Drake did extremely well was force Nevada to play in a way that they didn't want to. We talked going into the game that Nevada only shot about 15 threes a game. Um, Outside shooting was not their strong suit. They thrive in the paint. And Drake really shut them down inside. I mean, Nevada scored 53 points total. They shot 24% from three. And they actually shot about 25 threes, which is 10 more than their season average. So, Drake's plan to limit that penetration in favor of the outside shot worked really, really well for him. One thing that stood out, and and to be honest, like I am so surprised the strategy with Connor going up into him worked as well as it did. I mean, Connor was outstanding. Uh, his foot speed was great. You know, he really anticipated Blackshear's movements really well. And I think, you know, you look at the Oakland game and Lewis game and, and some of Connor's assignments were just shooting over him. 
uh, and I think what Norton and the coaching staff recognized is Blackshear just, he's not a shooter, you know what I mean? And I think they kind of figured if we can just get Connor up in this airspace and just force him to, if you want to score, you got to shoot over me. Uh, I think the most telling stat, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous because Blackshear is essentially a, a 20 point per game scorer. He didn't attempt a shot in the first half. I mean, he did not have a field goal attempt, which is just mind boggling, you know, from a defensive game plan standpoint. Yeah, it's wild. They really shut down both him and then Jared Lucas, who was uh, Nevada's other leading score coming into the game. I think they were both right at that 17 points per game mark. And it was clear how frustrated they were, too. Like you could see visibly on their faces, especially Lucas. I don't know what it looked like on TV, but. He got teed up pretty early. Uh, they actually had to double T on both him and Atten, but that guy was getting very pissed off. Did you see the highlight where Blackshear, I think, got teed up, where he threw the ball into yes. Connor's chest? Well, yeah, I mean, it'll it'll go down, you know, as an all-time Drake uh, gif now, because uh, you, you, you see it clipped all over Twitter now, you know, the <laughs> Connor hands him the ball, Blackshear just throws it at him, and then... Connor just celebrates very excitedly after he gets teed up. So yeah, one a moment there for the ages uh, for Connor. But you know, you mentioned the three-point shooting, and going into it, you know, we talked about you know they're not a three-point shooting team. It's almost like Drake kind of had a kind of disguised zone of sorts. You know, they kind of would collapse and just put bodies in front of Blackshear and 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 their bigs. Is that kind of what what you saw? Yeah. And I don't want to compare us to you and I because I would never do that to the Drake Bulldogs. But it did remind me a little bit how with you and I's pack line defense, you know how they just collapse to cut off driving lanes, which is why you and I gets beat so badly from the three so frequently. But they very much will sacrifice outside shots to prevent you from getting inside shots. And especially when you would get Blackshear in any sort of situation where he was going to get some sort of an ISO drive on Connor, um, you'd have guys come over to double instantly. And when they were setting ball screens at the top of the key, you saw Ferguson and Brody hedging really hard. It might have been one of the first couple possessions of the game, but Brody hedged really well right at the beginning, uh, and then the rotating defender missed it. So it turned into uh, an assist right into the hoop and an easy bucket for them. But the principle was there, and they they executed much better from that point on. And he was just so frustrated. Like You could see that it was bothering him. And I know... Uh, Norton mentioned that they are going to be throwing a few new defensive wrinkles at them. They didn't didn't think that they'd seen so far this year um, and they paid dividends. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the the offensive side of the ball. Uh, not a great first half. I think I've, full disclosure, I was traveling for work, got home, you know, could only catch live the second half following on my phone and looking at the play by play and then looking at all the highlights. The Start of the second half at the numbers, I thought, wow, it feels like we should be up by a whole lot more after that first half from Nevada. But Drake really responded in the second half and kind of ran away with it. Every time they made a run, we had an answer. And a lot of the time it came from Tucker DeVries. He went eight for 19 from the field, five for 10 from three, seven rebounds, five assists, one steal. He was killing it. He was in full player of the year form this game. And we've talked about this in the past, too, but Drake can be very good even when he's not having a huge scoring game, but they're by far at their best when he is. And, I mean, you take into account the fact that Overton had an uncharacteristically cold shooting night. 
he was one for nine from three. Like if he has one of the games he's been having recently, this could have been a 30 point win. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, going into the the game, we talked about Tucker's ability and the importance of him having a good game. And I think, I think one thing that I would just stress is when you have a guy that can just get a shot and put shots up, especially against good teams, it makes such a big difference. And then you get a game like he had where he was in such a rhythm, just making shots from all over the floor and just fully confident. And I think in the second half, when Drake started to build that lead, you could just sense the frustration from Nevada over and over and over again, that every time they were, they would try to cut into it, you know, it'd be a Tucker three or, or and drive or, or something like that. And, you know, they ended up scoring 44 points in the second half, um, only 28 in the first half. And they ended up being together 10 threes against this Nevada team makes a huge difference. You know, Nevada not being a great three-point shooting team. And then the other thing, you know, Nevada only shot 18 free throws. They came averaging 30. So, you know, right there, you're already cutting off, you know, 12 points that they're usually trying to capitalize on. Uh, what else did you see on the offensive side of the ball that impressed you from Drake? We had Eric Northweather three, for one thing. Yeah, you, you got to love it. When you get those those few minutes that we tend to see him at towards the end of the first half, so if you can if you can get a three, I mean that's huge, right? I mean, talk about maximum efficiency. He came in, hit a three, uh, then immediately went down and got a block as well. Quality minutes from Eric Northweather. That was great. Mm-hmm. And since both of Drake's big men were in foul trouble at the time, that was something that was needed too. That easily could have turned into a spot where Nevada made a little mini run. But Eric stayed ready. He was on the bench, but he stayed ready, came in and made a big difference in a huge game. And not to kind of hammer the point, but just to give our viewers, you know, some of the detailed numbers. Nevada shot 37% from twos, 24% from threes. And, you know, from a defensive standpoint, you couldn't ask for, for a better performance. And I know that Nevada fans probably feel like, well, we shot really poorly. We, you know, we didn't have a good game, but Drake just executed. They're not a three-point shooting team. You know, they made they made them go through them to finish. They made them take contested shots. And once Drake had that lead, they just kept on rolling. And we joked about Northweather, but like you said, I mean, it was a big three to cut that little Nevada run. And then you take a step back and the bench having 19 points is one of the higher outputs that the Bulldogs have had from the bench this season. And I also love seeing Cody Garland continuing his good momentum, uh, 8.6 rebounds and four assists. And again, just the energy, the defense. So it was really encouraging to see him follow up his performance against St. Louis with just that same energy and intensity. Definitely. I know we talked about this beforehand, but also we thought that Drake was going to have a big coaching advantage in this one. And (laughs) the coaching staff did not disappoint. There was a clear difference between Marty, Darren, Nick, (laughs) Tom, and the Steve Alford led bench on the Wolfpack side. I've, I've always felt that Drake always has an advantage against a team that is offense first and not defense first, because I always trust that DeBreeze is going to come up with a good plan on how to attack someone's offense. You saw it against the tournament against Miami. They, you know, that's a offense led team. 
and you saw what we did to them de- defensively. So I always feel good already when it's like, okay, there's an offensive team. We'll come up with something. We'll make life difficult. And then you added the Alford, the Alford element, which you were all over in, in the podcast leading up to the game. I must admit, when I looked at the score at halftime and I saw Nevada 19 points, I thought, <laughs> wow. Tucker was spot on with the uh, with the coaching advantage because uh, I mean Drake wrecked them. I mean they did, and I'm sure that if they played again, you know maybe it would be a different outcome because they would be better prepared. But going into it, they just did not see Drake shutting them down like they did, and and a huge win for Drake. Uh, it's a quad one win when you're looking at their tournament resume, uh, and like we said, the best team that they had played at up to that point Nevada was undefeated obviously and yeah I don't know if we can overstate you know how big how big of a win it was and and just how complete of a win it was for Drake and Wright chipped in 12 points uh for Drake uh, so he continues to be a just a reliable scorer touched on Overton uh, which, by the way, led the team in minutes played, 36 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think we might we might have to check. I don't think that guy is a freshman. He doesn't play like one. No, uh, Eduardo, he, Eduardo, he is a freshman because he just won freshman of the week again today. Well, I saw that they might just change the award to the Kevin Overton freshman of the week award at this point. Uh, but all kidding aside, I mean, Overton still had a productive game. He still was huge on defense. He still was huge just moving the ball, just didn't shoot it great. And you look at the, at the stat line, you know, still nine points, seven rebounds, playing good defense. And and that's just shows you his ceiling and his ability. Um, he's so important to what Drake does. I've been so impressed by Overton. Like, I don't think it's a, an exaggeration when you say that he's probably at this point playing like a all NBC fringe player. You know, he's probably in that honorable mention cusp. And that's crazy to think about. 10 games into his uh, college career. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what both he and Colby Garland can do moving forward because they've done a great job early in the season. And obviously, Coach DeVries has an incredible history in terms of developing talent and helping players reach their fullest potential. So I definitely don't think it's a stretch to see them both as all-valley players moving forward. And speaking of all Valley players, I'll, I'll say one more thing about Tucker DeBreeze because because sometimes you'll see on on message boards or just on different MVC Twitter conversations like, oh, you know, is, is Tucker DeBreeze really that good? You know, is he? Yes. Like, why is he always? Yes. Uh, yes, he is. Uh, you know, there's always sometimes this underlying like, oh, he's a little bit overrated. He's soft, whatever. You know, it's, you know, stupid things that that fans say, but specifically addressing like. Why is Tucker DeBreeze always the player of the year in the preseason? It's because of what you saw against Nevada. And sometimes I think it gets lost, you know, if he has like a little bit of a rough game or or a bad stretch, but then you see the game against Nevada and it's like, yeah, it's so obvious. He's the best player in the conference. He has the highest ceiling over anyone and he elevates Drake's level just to another stratosphere. There's a reason that there are NBA scouts at virtually every Drake game now. And that's just going to continue. So I just want I just want to let the record show that the Drake basketball podcast thinks Tucker DeBreeze is good. That's the that's the overarching analysis I, I just provided. Wow. We come with the hottest takes. This is analysis that listeners cannot find anywhere else. No. I mean, you know, first we're trying to break down the point guard position 
for Darren DeBreeze. Now we're, you know, suggesting that Tucker's actually pretty good at basketball. So let's list out our hot takes for the season so far. Kevin Overton is good at basketball. Yeah, we were right Dar- about that. Darren DeVries, good at coaching basketball. It's, we're nailing that one, too. Tucker DeVries, very good at playing basketball. I think we have the right formula for Drake, you know, <laughs> three for three on that. And I'll also tag along that I don't think you and I is, is that good of a of a basketball team, and that <laughs> prediction is turning out pretty well for me right now. But I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it. Still a lot of basketball left to be played. To be fair, they did almost win a game this past weekend, but then didn't. So, so you want to get into uh, what's coming up for Drake after after their big win? A little bit of a step down in competition with what's coming up next? Yeah, let's do it. So next up are the Grambling State Tigers coming out of the SWAC. Grambling is 2-7. and seven. They lose by an average of 21 points per game. Their two wins this year come against Champion Christian and something called UNT Dallas. They lost to Iowa State by 55. They're led by Contavious Dozier at 14 points a game, and he shoots 26% from three, which I feel like Drake's biggest struggle typically with guards is if they're snipers because we do, or not we do, but this season we have shown a tendency to lose guys on the perimeter a little bit. So I don't know about you. I think this is a game Drake wins, and it's a game that Drake should win going away if they play to their full potential. And if you're a player listening to this, ignore what I just said. They're going to be a tough matchup. Please, please show up for this one with full intensity. Yes. You know, Grambling State, and then after that, it'll be Alcorn State. Both of those teams are essentially opportunities for Drake to blow them out, hopefully. And if they do, that Im- that improves their net ranking, which... You know, it's a, I don't know if it's a good time to dive into the net, but I can't believe that blowouts factor in so much into your net ranking. I just I think that doesn't make any sense. But unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, that's the incentive when you're playing some of these teams that are just a little bit of a step below uh, competition-wise. Because Drake against Grambling State, realistically, like that should be at least a 30-point win, and they have to approach it that way. But when you're going into the game thinking, hey, I got to win by 30, then you're playing too loose and not focused and, and all that. Yeah, it's outlandish. The NCAA won't reveal exactly what the formula is behind that, but it's clearly formulated to help Power 5 teams that refuse to play quality mid-majors and instead stack their non-con with games against 300 and below ranked opponents. An example I pulled the other week was uh, Miami blew out a 300-something-ish ranked LIU team, and they jumped up 20 spots in the net rankings. Meanwhile, Grand Canyon beat a top 25-ranked San Diego State team and dropped three spots. So Drake can't do anything about that. The system is stacked against them. The money is stacked against them. But what Drake can do is take advantage of games like this and win by as much as possible. And I will say, though, credit to Grambling State because they're non-conference. I mean, they have some heavy hitters in there. I mean, you mentioned losing to Iowa State. They also lost to Colorado by 32. Obviously playing Drake now. They lost to Dayton by 30. Also need to get in there that they lost to Washington State. Uh, shout out to Joe Yesifu uh, by 18. They've How been, many points did Joe have in that one? Uh, he did not play that game. When you look at his career at Drake versus what's happened since he went to take the money, 
uh, it's been rough, dude. I was very surprised looking at some of their box scores to see what he's doing now. Yeah, I think the Washington State decision was a little bit odd. Um, I understand why someone would go play uh, for Kansas. Uh, but then after that, the Washington State transfer was a little bit bizarre. Um I'm sure, they, getting, I'm sure they offered him money. Like, I'm sure they offered him a, a significant amount of money and told him, hey, come here. But yeah, you're still playing in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe told him, hey, you'll have a, a decent shot to to complete for playing time. I mean, right now he's he's averaging six points a game, plays about 15 minutes a game or so or 20 minutes a game or so. So still part of the rotation, but. I, I think all Drake fans know that he would have been a big part of our team going forward anyway, but we digress on, we the, on the Grambling State transitive property that we're trying to uh, <laughs> to establish with some of these teams. But Grambling State or not, you know, Drake has to take care of business and the St. Louis game with all their injuries, you know, might have been an opportunity to have a loftier win and we kind of failed at that. So <laughs> Hopefully that's the motivation to stay focused on, you know, not messing around with Grambling State. Yeah, and to be fair, both of these teams are going to come in extremely battle-tested. I mean, for the non-con to fund their school, they have to go and play every team you can think of on the road, often in very short turnaround times. So they're going to be used to competing on the road. Uh, I did see that Alcorn State only lost to a future Drake opponent UAB by three at UAB and UAB came into the season with sky high expectations. So definitely shouldn't overlook either of these teams. Yeah. I mean, Alcorn state, the UAB matchup obviously caught my attention because Drake will be playing them in the near future as well. So Alcorn State, when you go through some of the teams that they've played, some of their losses, they look a little bit more competitive than Grambling State, you know, losing to Michigan State by 32, TCU by 19, Clemson by 21. So like you said, I mean, both of these schools schedule a lot of Power 5 teams to fund their programs. Um, and Alcorn State will will actually play you and I right before they play Drake. So that'll also give us a sneak peek as to where they're at. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they'll be coming into the nap center with a win. So we want to make sure that we don't let them get rolling. <laughs> so I must ask though. So we got Grambling state, we got Alcorn state. And then after that, I believe it's UAB on the road and that's it for the non-con. What grade would you give Drake so far in the non-conference? Uh, I think probably give us a B plus. I mean, we're okay. we're nine and one right now. I can't complain about that. Um, obviously, there was a bit of a letdown in the Cayman Islands Classic, since we were hoping we'd be, we'd be able to get a championship out of that. But outside of some slow starts and then one game against a team that shot out of their mind, this is a team that had so many new faces coming into the year. We didn't really know what to expect. And the fact that we've only lost one game, you know what? Cancel my B plus. I'm going to give us an A. Straight I, A. Yeah, I, I can't. As a Drake fan who lived through some very, very rough years, the fact that we're nine and one, I'm not going to sit here and give us a B plus. That's nonsense. Uh, the coach and the players have all continued to get better. Uh, we're nine and one, and I can only imagine we're going to continue to get better. So, let's go Bulldogs. Okay. I like it. I like the positivity. I was going to go A minus personally. 
but I mean, I'm with you. I think the one thing I would say I've been super impressed with 10 games into the season is how well we understand our rotations and seemingly how we understand our pecking order. When you have so many new players, so many new faces, that adjustment period, I expected truthfully to go probably still into the conference season. So I was envisioning more 15, 18 games. You kind of start to figure it out. And it's honestly felt more like Drake started to figure it out around game seven or eight. Um, So just, I mean, really good work on the coaching staff to figure out, you know, how to stagger lineups, to figure out the best spots to put guys to be successful. You know, we talked about it in the last pod. I I still think we got to sort out some of our bench stuff and our point guard play. But Colby's really coming on and the bench is starting to play better. So that seems to be already trending in the right direction. And as far as how Drake has performed, as you said, we got one loss so far. And really, it's the Cayman Islands thing. I think it was really more the disappointment of missing out on an opportunity to play a quality opponent like Utah State. Uh, But you can't do anything about it now. And when you look at the totality of wins, a lot of good mid-majors in there. And I think wins that will stack up well at the end of the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else that you want to cover? Do we have any Valley developments we need to talk about? I feel like we should do a Valley Roundup. Valley Roundup is always good. All right. Well, tell me what's been going on in the Valley. You know, the hot team is Indiana State. You know, they're continuing to play well. I'll be honest. I've been a little bit surprised at how high everyone is on their bandwagon, which I think is is a good thing for Drake. It probably deflects some of the attention because um, I yeah. think they are a really good offensive team. I also don't think that they've really played anyone i don't think they have like outside of beating bradley at bradley you know their non-con was okay i think drake's non-con was better so i also don't really fully understand like the huge love that they're getting aside from them being a really good offensive team but i think that's good for drake yeah and honestly i think it works really well from a motivational standpoint Drake came into the league picked first this year and having Indiana State sort of stealing the spotlight a little bit gives the Bulldogs just a little bit extra fuel um, as we enter the Valley season this year. And I definitely think our coaching staff will put that to use. So I believe we play Indiana State on January 10th. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that'll be pretty early on after the break. I mean, that's kind of good timing for Drake. You know, if they can take care of business at home, kind of gives you a leg up right off to kick off the real conference season with Indiana State. That'll be a big game. And as I said before, I just always feel more comfortable when Drake's playing a really good offensive team than when they're playing a really good defensive team. I trust that we'll have a good scheme and that we'll execute. And uh, I'm not trying to say they're not a good team. I've just been surprised that at the level of hype from the NBC hoops world. Yeah, they're extremely good. They've got one of the best centers in the conference with Robbie Avila, if that's how you pronounce his last name. I've heard multiple announcers say it different ways, but I mean, he can bang down low. He can shoot threes, which is always tough for Darnell to to defend just because he's so big. But I would also put Darnell up against anybody defending in the post. And hopefully that'll give him a little extra fuel coming into that game. Just an opportunity to show out and demonstrate who the best center in the Valley actually is. And aside from that, I don't think there's been too many developments uh, in the Valley. 
Belmont's going to be challenging in the conference season. I know they had a bad non-con. I think Southern Illinois is looking pretty good. Uh, yeah, Southern Illinois think- had a really nice win against Oklahoma State the other day. You know, Oklahoma State's sort of a middling program, but SIU played great defense against them, which they always do against pretty much everyone they play. So shout out to them. And I think we discussed that game on our last pod too. That was a victory over both Oklahoma State and the refs. So good for them for going out there and getting it. Two wins and one. And as far as the Valley as a conference, still sitting pretty good. Drake's win over Nevada definitely helped the conference as a whole. Had a couple bad losses on Saturday, but nothing too terrible. So And Drake's win out. against Nevada has catapulted us up into, I believe, 47th in the net. And yeah. uh, and I know Indiana State right now is at 12th, uh, so the net rankings are very high on them as well. Yeah, the net thing, you know, what Indiana State has done really well is they've absolutely obliterated bad teams. I mean, like 40-point, 30-point type wins uh, to boost their resume. And that's why, I, that's maybe the reason why people are a little bit higher on them. All right, Bulldog fans, thanks for tuning in. We've got Grambling State coming up on Thursday, so let's go add another W to the resume. Let's do it.